to regretfully announce that that happens will not be taking place tonight. Instead, there will be an autopsy because that happens was murdered. Dun, dun, dun. Bring out the first suspect, Kevin Day. <laughs> oh, no. What's I'm up, Kevin? Blame for killing I got show the show too. Spotlight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's oh, yeah. that? Uh, there we go. Now Kevin's got the spotlight. Uh, yeah. Oh man, I'm just having a good day. I was telling Kevin before the show started, this is going to be a bad show, and folks, I intend to prove it because the show is so bad. It was murder. <laughs> and uh we're gonna have to find out what the deal is uh so yeah have you ever uh been to a party that was a murder mystery party no but we're actually gonna go to one of those uh next week there's some kind of like dinner theater murder mystery thing where somebody in the audience is the killer and you find out who it is during the show and all that so i'm looking forward to that and it's a dinner theater yeah you eat while you solve a mystery of who the murderer is of all the other people that are there mm-hmm. man well there should be oh this is so stupid i will say it as punishment there should be a dinner theater production of eat pray love and that's kind of the whole whole idea is that you like eat and pray and love i guess at the that the show okay it's, yeah i don't this is, this is, this is what we're services? dealing with okay um so uh, you know i think last week uh you know we tried to overcorrect to a critique that a listener had shared on our reddit and yeah we tried to give the audience more kevin you know give the people what they want um kevin of course doesn't remember because he was drugged as he often is but you know that was what the episode was about is giving the people more kevin and uh we have had more feedback on the episode and it was too much kevin so this is what i was always afraid of this is honestly why i was hiding this from the audience is because i knew it was gonna reach this tipping point and you know i'm a famous guy i i you know i'm used to dealing with the heartbreak that comes with publicity but kevin you know he's a humble man you know he's got the heart of a child essentially which is the best kind of heart to have why am i going on record as saying that but you know he can't handle the heartbreak of of people being like turning cold on him and stuff so i tried to shield him but but no um the audience they have responded and it is decided that kevin um, he will no longer be on the show, so we're going to need you to hire a replacement and train them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess we'll check back on that process as it continues. But yeah, we're going to have to get rid of Kevin because the audience didn't like it when we had so much of him last week. What do you think about that, Kevin? See, I don't. Well, I know you were joking, but so last week before the show started, I was not feeling well. So I took some NyQuil and then like an hour later, I was still not feeling well. So I took some more NyQuil. I don't mm -hmm. really remember much about last week's show. You could tell me I told you anything right now and I would believe you. Yeah. Um, so and speaking of which, Kevin, you know, Kevin loves innuendo. And when he says he wasn't he wasn't feeling well, what he means is I did a bunch of heroin. And when he says I took a bunch of NyQuil, what that means is I was passed out for four to six hours. That sounds just like me. Yes. Yeah. That's Kevin's deal, folks. We found it. We nailed him. Uh, no, yes. I cut you off, which I'm trying not to do from now on. Um, no, I'm still going to try to do that. I'll just try and circle back and apologize for it and hope to spur you on to what you were talking about. Previous. Uh, you should do that more. Yeah. Go interrupt or cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I think I don't think that guy would like that if I cut you off more. Uh. Anyway um life update kevin you got a life update <laughs> i was really sick last week so all week i've just been catching up on everything i missed out on from being sick mm -hmm. um that's 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 about it for me uh you you have anything new in your life i have no idea what happened last week oh i pitched 
I did a pitch. I was pitching. I don't want to talk about that, though. It's secret, and I'm superstitious about it, which is probably not a good trait. Um, but, you know, I don't want to talk about it. It's probably bad to talk about anyway, even from a not superstitious standpoint, like legal standpoint. Who even knows? But I guess I was doing that, and so maybe that's why my brain has failed me. I'm just, you know... I've been out of it the rest of the week, just trying not to think about it or just being relaxed that I'm not doing it. I don't know. You know, I, I do public speaking. I'm public speaking right now in a matter of speaking uh, publicly. Um, but, you know, it's still nerve wracking to present stuff and especially a pitch. It's like, oh, you know, money could be on the line here, you know. Um, so it, I don't know. It was it wasn't as bad as it could be, but it was pretty scary. I did two pitches and um yeah, the days, the one of them was in the late afternoon, like evening, which is a terrible time for uh, pitching uh, because, you know, business meetings, uh, it's so stupid, man. We all like act like everything's serious and then we're all these little like puppets controlled by like hormones and shit. But, you know, um, if you have meetings at the end of the day, they're just not as good meetings. No one's in the right mood. If it's a pitch meeting, you know, they're like ready to go home. They don't want to really dig in and engage on new ideas they've never heard of or thought about, you know, before. Um, it's not a good time to pitch. Uh, it would be better to pitch earlier in the morning or like directly after lunch or something. But, you know, it's weird that these are one, you know, we were talking last week about the shadowy kind of uh, Olympus kind of world that these suits hang out in. And this is the same kind of thing where it's like the, the timing of your meeting and how close to lunch it is or isn't could, you know, determine whether or not your pitch goes well. But, you know, realistically, that's less important than the idea or the talent of the people or how famous Keanu Reeves is or whatever, you know. But um, so, but as uh, unrelated to that, it's just nerve wracking to be all like, okay, I just got to go through all day. And then at 5, uh, 5 p.m., then it's like showbiz, baby, got to really sell, sell, sell. You know, it's just I, like all I could do was just try not to think about it and freak out alternately. You know, those are the two things I kind of just walking around all day. It sucked. And, um, and so then the next one was the next week and I kind of forgot that it was that day. Not like in an, I was late sense, but just didn't like, it was kind of good that I had the weekend and I wasn't worrying about it because you know, I wasn't thinking about that. I had to do it. And then it was in the morning. So that pitch went a lot easier. It was just a lot, so less stressful. Cause when it was done, I was like, okay, I'm done. And I was done. And I guess that's all I did. Elden ring came out. Kevin, you hear about this Elden ring. I have, I have, I, I haven't tried it yet. Have you? Yeah, I've been playing it. I, I don't know why. I thought for some reason it was an MMORPG, like World of Warcraft or something. But as far as I can tell, it's just the same kind of game as they always make, where it's like you can show up in someone else's game, but it's not fundamentally like this big multiplayer, you know, MMO sort of game. So I guess I don't really know why I thought it was an MMO this whole time, but it's not. I guess it's just the open world factor. That's probably the new thing. An open world and MMO kind of go hand in hand. I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's been fun. It's been kicking my ass. I don't know. It's not my kind of game exactly, but I like hard games. So it's fun to play hard games, I guess. I don't know. Uh, What's the, what? the best kind of game in that genre? What, Kevin? Like? What? Wait, what was the question? Sorry. In that same genre, what, what do you think is a, a well-executed game? Uh, well, compared to say Mega Man, Mega Man, you have a good amount of checkpoints. Um, you can get life back and find health, like life up items, like one ups and stuff. The controls are really tight. Like when you jump in the air, if you hold left, you'll go left. And if you hold right, you'll go right. You know, there's not momentum to your jumps or anything compared to like, say, Castlevania, where you kind of get locked into this one exact jump arc and you'll always do it. Um, so it's like the game is really hard and it's twitchy. You got to like react really quickly, but it's like, it's really responsive and the controls are really tight. Whereas in dark souls, you like, you press a button and then upwards of like a second and a half later, you'll complete your attack animation. And so it's like, well, 
in Mega Man, if I need to jump out of the way at the last second because I realize this is going to work, I can do that. But in Dark Souls and those kinds of games, you can't because you're already committed to the attack animation. So it really becomes about not over committing to these overextended attack animations. That's a lot of the difficulty. Whereas mine's like, oh, let me just quickly jump out of the way of this Mega Man bullet or whatever, you know. So they're fundamentally the same kind of thing. They just involve a different, uh, I don't know, perception of time, maybe. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's I don't know. It's everyone's it's really popular and it's fine. I'm I'm digging it and stuff. But I like I said, I just thought it was going to be an MMO that everyone is playing and it's kind of not. It's just another Souls game, which is, you know, whatever. That's fine. Everybody loves it. Are there That's any MMOs you've really you know, gotten yourself addicted to in the past? I played uh World of Warcraft. I played Final Fantasy 14 over the uh the pandemic when the pandemic started. I was like, you know, this is a good time to get into an MMO, you know. <laughs> I I'll have a lot of time to waste and uh I did. And so I like it has this pretty involved uh story plot that's kind of unique there's kind of like a main storyline for a lot of mmos but final fantasy 14 is really complete it's almost like you know if it was a final fantasy game that would just be what the final fantasy game was is just this kind of main quest line that takes you across the world to these different areas and stuff you know so it's pretty advanced and it's pretty interesting for that reason so it's fun to check it out and it's nice because it's like it's good a lot of mmos are just not good um and so it's like a good one and it's different from world of warcraft in a lot of ways so it's interesting to see like oh what's a good mmo that doesn't do what world of warcraft does like where do they let's do the same thing and where do they go oh let's try doing this different you know it's interesting to see the kind of diverging kind of game design choices um and they work really well in 14 like in uh, 14 you can change your jobs to any uh job what a good podcast i told you guys right um you can change your job to like any other job so if you're like oh i want to be a wizard and then you're like ah, i'm done being a wizard let me go be a swordsman you can just switch to being a swordsman and uh, you have to start over at zero for your swordsman. But then if you're like, eh, let's go back to being a mage, you'll get all your levels Mac of mage when you switch back. So like you can kind of on the side train up your swordsman without like being penalized for wanting to switch classes back and forth, which is a little bit better than a lot of other things because you retain your money, you retain your equipments and some of your stats and stuff. So it's like not all your stats, I guess not most of your stats anyway, but it's like it's not a complete I'm going to have to get all the gear. I'm going to have to do all the stuff to change classes you can kind of just swap between the ones that you like which is cool and and not really uh something you can do in most mmos um i guess yeah uh what about you you play any mmos i I played warcraft for a long time and before that final fantasy 11 i don't know if you played that but that Uh, game was hard final fantasy 11 was was very 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 hard and it was yeah. one of those like once World of Warcraft came out and you tried it once, it was just impossible to go back to it. For me. <laughs> you know, it was just like, oh, all of this just pointless nonsense that wastes five hours of your time before you can even start playing. That's two minutes in Warcraft. Yeah, I'm going to play that instead. Yeah. I still miss playing that game, but I just I've tried it a couple of times to go back to it. And I just it's it's just such a time sink. Have you have you tried the 11? Yeah, it's really uh, bad. So like, okay, let's describe the play experience in 11. Um, You'll go into the starting zone and you'll see a bunch of identical roly polies. And you'll be like, oh, this must be a roly poly. I'm going to attack it. And then it murders you because you didn't do it right. And it's like, oh, I guess that roly poly was too hard. And it was. And you don't know why, but what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to like scan or check any enemy that you come up on to check what its individual level is. Because despite it being, you know, a, a desert full of identical roly polies, this one's level two and this one's level three and this one's level 10 and this one's level five. And you can only take level zero or something like you can't even take a level two monster at level one, like at all. Like, so you're just, you're so reliant on never picking a fight with anything that's even close to your level in the game. Um, and then, so grinding just takes fucking forever. And this all happens before you get a job. So like you have to grind to like level 20 or something, which is, 
an impossible feat in most games <laughs> before you can even get the job, which is what, you know, an MMO is, which is the different, you know, abilities and the cool things that you can do, you know, that separate it from another game. Because, you know, the base mechanic in an MMO is just attack and, you know, you usually just get hit. You can't really dodge too much. Some attacks can be dodged, but usually you just kind of take turns hitting each other in an MMO and then you deploy abilities. So before you have de abilities to deploy, you're just swinging at fucking roly polies for 20 levels it takes like five weeks like it's insane and that's the whole game and it just keeps happening over and over and apparently at some point it's supposed to get good but i'll tell you what it's after level 12 and i don't even think i got to level 10 <laughs> so it's not it's a hard. good game and in my opinion what, what made it worse too was so the game came out in japan like a year and a half before it came out in north america Mm -hmm. but you play on the same servers so what you right. were doing was you were playing with like for every person that spoke english on the server there were five people who spoke japanese and mm -hmm. you were like level 10 and they all were like level 60 something <laughs> and none of them wanted to help you do anything because you know the the people who did not speak japanese had the reputation for not knowing what they were doing because you were all these newbies that were coming into an already established world so mm -hmm. It was basically, even though you were playing with other people, you really didn't interact with other people. And, um, yeah. And when you die, right, you especially before you get half. levels, there's not as much like partying and grouping up, right? Once you get right. levels, then it's like, then you start to group up, but until then you're kind of just grinding, but can't you like hoard can't, isn't it like, like people would not block, but you'd use up like the grinding areas, like the good yes. grinding areas. So it was also very like it was it was like you know the multiplayer was actively destructive like it detracted from other people's game experience in a lot of these mechanics not all of them but early game it definitely was like that if i recall um but yeah i don't know there's a lot of interesting things i mean it's such an interesting format of game you know an mmo because it's like it's part of it is to kind of make activities and stuff to have people be and just hang out in the world like the house system and stuff you know it's 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 just interesting to see all the choices that final fantasy 11 made it was really fucked it was also made for playstation 2 right so it was yeah. like it was the controls were designed for a playstation 2, 2 control which is a very simplified control scheme compared to what you can normally use on a computer so like you know whereas in world of warcraft you have all these hot bars all over the place and you can do like a ton of different things like you were very limited in final fantasy because they wanted it to be manageable to a playstation controller so it's just you know it's more uh nested menus as opposed to hotkeys for a lot of stuff if i recall which is not ideal again it's like it had a lot of interesting cool design choices but the whole frame and engine of it was just to me, like in my opinion just really non-conducive to what mmos try to do but yeah. because of the cool ideas i think it yeah drew people in i don't know like there was a good game there and i really enjoyed it but it wasn't until i realized that there was a better alternative you know that all of this stuff that annoyed me was not essential to the process you know just even right. logging into that game would take five minutes because you had to load sony's launcher thing and then from there you had to load final fantasy and then from there you had to log into the world then you had to pick your character and you had to like i'm not kidding it could be five minutes from you deciding i want to play this game until you were standing in front of your character <laughs> and yeah i mean <clears throat> that's the design that's the thing about game design you know it's just and from soft games you know dark souls games they're they're famous for being really difficult and stuff and they are difficult but to me it's like it's more just that bad design that bumps against me which a lot of people are like oh it's intentional it's trying to root people out and weed people out and it's like you can say that but also you can just have a control scheme that's better you know nothing is stopping you you're just making that choice to make a bad control scheme and say it's on purpose but it's like okay it's a bad that's bad design you know what if i made a, a staircase right and it was two steps <laughs> and you know each step was like five it's like no it's supposed to be just two steps it's like okay that's a design choice is pe are people going to be able to climb that staircase 
no but it's it's not about that it's about being two steps it's like okay it, oh it's for the people who appreciate giant steps it's like yeah no i'm sure it is they'll get a huge kick out of it is that what a staircase is supposed to be some sort of weird fetish object for weird people who like giant steps i don't think so i think it's supposed to be a specific thing that people use to get up and down you know from floors you know but so like FromSoft games are like that where it's like yeah you can make these decisions i don't think they're good game design decisions you know they certainly lend to this atmosphere of these this run soft game mystique that the fans certainly like but it's different to me than just saying oh this game's super hard because again mega man is super hard but in mega man you know you're never unclear on what you do because there's no dialogue you're just going left to right a hundred percent of the time like there's no real choices to make in that this there's not the same kinds of choices whereas in dark souls it's like oh you pick up a finger and it's like oh what's this finger and it's like oh do i use it and you use it and it's like okay it did something i'm not sure what it did i don't even remember what that finger was called because there's 20 different fucking fingers in this game and so so it's like okay i don't i know i wasted a resource I didn't learn anything about it. I feel bad that I used it, don't know what it did, and now don't have it anymore. And that's not difficulty. That's just, you know, it's not anything. It's just, it's, it's, it's just a choice. And it's like, well, now I just feel bad. And it's like, well, you know, again, that's like what they want you to feel, this punishing kind of bleak atmosphere. Ludonarrative dissidents. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Um, what else is up, Kevin? How <laughs> what's your what's uh, this is this is important in games. Oh what's your your feeling on unskippable cutscenes and dialogue? Uh, you know, in it's it's you know, I wish I had something funny to say because this is a podcast that's supposed to be entertaining, you know. But uh it's 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 not excusable anymore. It used to be excusable before we figured out that this could be done. But these days it's like, no, come on. Obviously you don't want people to skip past important stuff, but at the very least you need to give them the option. Like maybe go like, Hey man, this is one of five cutscenes that you really got to be seeing. But if they tell you that and you're like, no, I saw it. I, I, the power just went out. I just have them trying to rush through this part. You know, you should have that option. They shouldn't be all like, no, we know that you got to see this. You know, that's stupid. Um, so that's a good yeah, I feel the same way. I think any cutscene or dialogue or whatever, you should be able to skip just because once you've done it more than once, it's annoying. And sometimes, like, I will play a story not or play a game without caring about the story in any way whatsoever. Yeah, I just right. want, I just want to blow something up. I really don't care my motivation for doing it. I just want to blow it up not right. always but sometimes so pretty much any game now that doesn't let me skip stuff i i don't play yeah it just like you it also just makes you wonder like is this intentional was there some sort of glitch preventing them to do it from doing it did they really think like oh no we know what's better best for him i mean who knows but also i do want to say that i was trying to express how good my answer was to your question and you kind of cut me off you know i was i, I so i want to that quite the, the answer was really good and it makes me feel really good about myself and you know a lot of times i can have self-esteem issues but i can look to you know uh guiding lights in these moments such as that answer to remember that you know i am a good person and i do mostly know what's going on so you know I, that was what i probably would have gone on to say if you didn't you know end up cutting me off which is fine i mean you know the people want to hear from you more than anything else and i'm i'm more than happy to provide it from you but i'm just you know i'm just trying to be transparent and you know talk about the answer but, i appreciate uh, that thank you yeah i think they'll appreciate it too um you know the audience speaking of the audience we're gonna be speaking to the audience well i don't know if we will uh so we've been talking about trying to talk to the audience and kevin has solicited questions and this is not on kevin but the and the questions that people have been submitting are the kinds of questions when you're trying to help 
which is not what we need. We don't need people that are like, oh, they need questions. I guess I better help. Oh, my God. Let us toss them some questions so they don't have no questions. That would be so bad. Which, good instinct. Good. I'm glad you people exist. I'm glad you're thinking on those terms. But those kinds of questions, I don't think they're necessarily good questions. You know, you want real burning questions that are that are stuck in people's craw, the kind of things that they've kept inside for like five years, but then just like need to get them out. The kind of stuff that is weird to do on a podcast. You know, these are the kinds of questions we need, not the kinds of questions where it's like, ah, they've been asking for questions. We better toss them a couple. Otherwise, they're not going to have any questions for the episode, you know? So there's a distinction there in my mind. Maybe it's semantic more than anything else. But uh, so what do you, what, what's the deal on the audience front, Kevin? So we've had some questions come in. I just sent them some invites to join our Zoom meeting. Our first person just joined. So oh, are, you, are, you, are you ready for a... Well, here's the thing. Am I able to kick these people? Yes. Are you sure? I I think so. Okay. If if not, just tell me and I will. I know I can do that, but it's funnier if I can kick them, you know? Okay. It's also safer if I can kick them. Uh, Uh, I know you have an itchy kick finger, but you know. You are now co-host. You can kick people too. Oh, okay. I can. Okay. okay. See, now I can kick people. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Are you, are you ready for, for our first? Yeah. Let's take them one at a time, I guess. Huh? All right. All right. Let's, let's bring the first one in here. All right. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Oh, he, and he's, he's muted not quite and here he's yet. connected to the audience. So one, he can't hear me. Um, he, he's still joining. And he's muted, which is good. It's good to start muted. But it's not good to keep being muted, you know, um, which he is. Yes. But that's fine. You know, some people don't want some people when they come onto a Zoom for a podcast <laughs> to be an audience participant, they, you know, they don't want to talk. And that's it, fine. That's fine yeah. if you want to come on and be an audio <laughs> guest of the podcast and don't talk. Yeah. Caller, you are on the air. Turn your radios down. Uh, uh, how, how are you doing? Can you hear us? We're on the planet yes, Earth. Yes, I, I can hear you, but oh, down. Hi. Hi. Uh, what's your you name, Caller? Caller, what's your name and where are you coming from? And we can hear you. Yes. Can you hear us, Caller? Oh, okay, great. Uh, I'm Nalut. Hi. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Spencer. I just got... I'm actually from Italy right now, but, I, you know, Kevin know my story. Anyway, I was wondering about the world building process that you use for create, you know, Armon, Armon Quest and uh, your D&D campaigns. Sure. So your name is, how do you pronounce your name one more time? Oh. It's Nalut? Yes. Yes. It's Nalut. Okay. And you said you were from Italy right now. So yes. where were you from before right now? <laughs> well, um, I moved here like 10 years ago. Uh, I, I grew up in Mumbai and Bali mostly. I gotcha. Okay. So you're from Mumbai and Bali and now you're in Italy. Yeah. which is where you're uh, so you're in italy now right yeah, you're not yeah, somewhere yes, else yes yes okay no, 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 okay so your question yeah, was sorry, I, I was a little confused because of the double audio so sorry um, yeah well the, yeah yeah so turn again turn your turn your radios down for this otherwise you will be confused by the double audio and this is being recorded so if you're like oh i don't want to miss this don't worry it'll be here later and i think and i i've called in i can i i can empathize with that problem i want to hear myself you know and uh but it does it does detract from it, which is not a criticism of you just me oh, sharing no, 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 no. something about myself uh so again to your question i yes. this is the question that i feel like is just you trying to help is this is this a real question you're really curious about yes absolutely because uh, well i i felt like um, when you play dnd you uh mostly uh use your your player i mean they they're a great improviser and you uh nourish that but i was wondering since armon quest is a little more uh, you know is it your story more than improvising with the people? I mean, you have a script, so you probably uh, create, you know, the the the, the ship, uh, the, the the various uh, tribe, uh, and 
you know, all the lore. And I was wondering, actually, how, how you came up with that. I, I believe it's different from your campaign, but, you know, tell me. Yeah, I don't know. So for Harmon Quest, um, I was more driven by a plot perspective, both in terms mm -hmm. of this is being a TV show that I want it to be have a coherent plot that an audience can follow. But also it's like, um, it's just more of like a showcase of D&D &D in this kind of tight time frame. And so whereas normally my DM style is just kind of meandering and going all over the place and not really driving in a single plot. I was like, well, we should do that. And since it's Dan, we should use the story circle. So I usually don't do it like this when I do D&D &D stuff, but um, I was working on, you know, trying to make an adventure that fit the story circle for all three seasons of Harmon Quest. And so that was really specific. Um, the process was weird because normally when you do D&D &D, you don't uh, submit your outlines for notes to like a network that doesn't play D&D &D. like because you're giving essentially a D&D &D outline to someone who is used to getting a screenplay outline and it's not like a script it's it's like a lot different and so it's really weird and then they have notes which are notes that you'd give on a TV show and then so you got to be like well it's a game it's not a TV show you roll dice and I can't say what's going to happen because it'll be random, you know? So it's weird dealing with the note process being like, yeah, we can address that. But also I can't promise anything because what if they kill the guy that you said should talk about this? You know, what if they just stab him in the throat before he says anything? Okay. I guess I couldn't do your note, you know? So it's weird to communicate that to executives in this kind of note taking context, which is, it's just strange. Um, but it also, it changes the way you do the notes. Uh, or it changes the way you kind of write the D&D stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Basically, I would just come up with seed ideas like, uh, you know, what, what about a city on the seashore? What about a crazy swamp? What about an underground cavern system? You know, ideas like that. And then like other ideas like, oh, dragon, oh, zombies, oh, fungus brains. I don't know, stuff like that. And then like other things like, oh, are we trying to get an artifact? Are we trying to sneak into something? Are we trying to defeat a group of enemies? And then ideas like those. And then I would just kind of mash them together, try and come up with cool ideas. The things that really caught in my head, I would develop those and keep trying to enhance the ideas like, oh, what would be cooler than that? Like, what would be cooler than that? And just try and beat anything. And then those would become the, the episode concepts. And then I would try and also come up with good story ideas for the season. And then I would try and map those story beats onto, oh, it would be cool if when they were really frustrated, everyone was in the desert, for instance instance you know and then i could move those around as necessary but you know using this kind of story circle as the season arc that's i plugged everything in and just kind of yeah i don't know i uh, i just did it like normal dnd but thinking a little bit about plot more than normal so does that answer your question yes and maybe uh, yes and that's the hallmark of uh, improv <laughs> sorry continue sorry i was wondering maybe uh something about uh you know, like, like a sort of muse that you use, but were you ex inspired about something in particular or? Uh, no, not, not specifically. I think video games are a big inspiration for me. Um, I guess oh, yeah, the, I there that. was, there was the, what do you call it? The, the, the we did a season before it was like the lost season or the un, unbought season, the dead season. And the plot was based on the dead season, but it was more refined and more interesting. The dead season was basically, there's just this disease. It's turning everyone into zombies mm -hmm. and you got to stop it. And so it was a lot less elaborate than the plot of the season one ended up being. But anyway, I hope that answers your question. Yes. Kevin, kick this guy out of the room <laughs> before you he can say anything. Oh, see, it's too late. You're being too slow, Kevin. You're not kicking him. Thank you so much to Nalut, who's still not being kicked uh, and maybe never will be, honestly. Um, okay, but but so, okay. So, Kevin, you want to make sure to do, go drop drop into the Discord and thank Nalut and, and tell him that it was a funny, funny podcast show kicking.
and uh, not like an I'm mad at you kicking because thank him so thank you so much to Nalut uh, Nalut um, for for participating and being the first person to talk to. He is from the evil and dreaded Trob Home Video Discord, and thusly is someone who I hate, which is why I wanted to kick him. But in the funny way, again, it was a funny way to kick someone. It wasn't serious. You could tell how funny it was by how funny it was. It was definitely very funny in the moment. The timing was perfect. I think, you know, it was a really funny dismount to the call. It really worked out. And I think that came across very clearly. Um, so yeah, I think we got to get to our next caller. I, I don't know. This is, I'm not going to say this is working great, but it's working. You know, this is something we could do. I, I think it's like, we got to come up with, with prompts or something. I was telling that to Kevin, but then I didn't come up with any prompts. Uh, but before we could get to the next guest, we are going to need to take a short break. Isn't that right, Kevin? It is. Yes. Commercial time. Okay. Hello. My name. Hello. My name, hello. My name, hello. My name, use the promo code Goblin Flakes. And then up on screen, it just slowly fades. It says, hello, my name. Um, a Johnson and Johnson company. Okay. And we're back. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, that was, uh, you know, just a quick message from our breaks. It's a company. Let's see here. I'm not sure what much about this company. It says it's a nonprofit company for people with repetitive speech ticks. That's interesting. Um, is that ableist? I guess that's ableist. Okay, I'm canceled. Um, all right, let's bring let's bring out our next guest. Do, do they have a quote? Well, let's just talk to them. And you know, those questions. It seems like a farce anyway. So we are going to go through this audio process, this connecting to audio process, which I will talk through because otherwise it'll be silent. And it's interesting. I don't know. You know, one thing I learned, Kevin, is that when I think about podcasting, I think about it in terms of when I listen to podcasts. But when I listen to podcasts, I'm listening to them at 2x speed. So I'm thinking of people talking really, really fast with no pauses and being like, yeah, no, that's normal podcasting. That's what I should uh, uh, strive to do. And it's like, that's not how anyone experiences podcasts. But anyway, we got Kelly Gaumont, Kelly Gaumont on the line. Um, and oh, maybe we shouldn't say their name. I don't know. Uh, whatever. Sorry, I won't say your name in the future in in such a way. Um, but you are muted. Um, if you were talking, no one's been hearing you. But if you aren't talking, how's it going? Can we hear you? Can can you hear us? Do you want to try telling us where you're from as some sort of audio test? Yeah, no, let's find out. I don't know. Can you hear me? I'm. Uh, oh yeah, I'm I can hear the... you. Um, right. So where are you calling from, caller? <laughs> uh, I am calling from the frozen hellscape of Edmonton, uh, up in Alberta. And so that's a Canada place, and I know mm -hmm. geography, and I'm actually very smart. Uh, do you have any comments on that? <laughs> yeah, um, you nailed the geography. Um, you'd be surprised how many people don't. I was uh, pre-pandemic, I was traveling, and I talked to uh, people in like Washington State who didn't know where Alberta was, and I was like, mm -hmm. you, "You're like nearly touching." So. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I could know where it was on a map because it's it's pretty far west, right? And I think of most of the places in Canada, just any place, if you named it, I would just assume it's more on the east, you know? So, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not good. But also, Edmonton sounds like a normal city. I mean, I'm sure there's Edmontons in America, right? So if you're just saying Edmonton, but also Alberta kind of sounds a little bit like a state, like it could be a state, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's not obviously, but it I guess it's maybe just because it sounds a little bit like Alabama or something, or just the AL. It's like we got Alaska, we got Alabama, Alberta. Why not? You know, I don't know. Uh, so, so maybe that's that's why. But I'm sure it's not. It's because no one thinks about anything. I, you know, people couldn't even tell you where any states in America were. You know, let alone uh, name a country outside of America. But did you have a question, or uh, did you not have a question? I do Either have a way. question, um, but it is funny you mention that because there are people here that literally want to be a state. Like they're the people with the Confederate flags on their trucks. <laughs> oh, no. Super cool people. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the 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 separatists. But yeah, my my question. The Nazis. Was, they're at again. I guess they, those aren't Nazis, but they, uh, you know, a lot of them are. It's like <laughs> the the cold Texas thing is like extremely true here. 
Uh, yeah well that's the thing it's like i i you know uh it's just it's just interesting i don't know you know the world is so interesting and not from a judgmental place just like a man this is incredible <laughs> look at this whole thing this whole planet anyway what was your question let's let's get to the brass tacks and you know hopefully my genius can shine on you yeah my question had to do with uh it's a pretty open-ended question, but like, how do you go about trying to teach like a total beginner, um, like such as a Harmon Quest guest to do role-playing when like, maybe they haven't heard of it before. Cause that's something I've been like doing myself lately and like trying to just like boil it down to somebody who's like, I've never heard of role-playing. I've never heard of D and D. Yeah. Well, it's hard to teach someone something and it's hard to teach someone how to teach someone something. Right. So, you know, the way you teach something is going to differ depending on your skills and their skills and, you know, your, your stuff and their stuff, all, all of that, you know, so that's a big problem. But one of the big problems I encounter teaching people D and D is just the expectations. Um, you know, as people grow up, adults feel less comfortable with failure. We try less new things. We feel worse about failure. If we feel like we won't know, like uh, if we won't look like we know what we're doing, or we feel like we're going to look like an asshole and make a fool of ourselves, we'll avoid situations much more often than, you know, when you're younger. So D and D being this wholly unknown, mysterious phenomenon that you hear a lot and it has a lot of baggage and, you know, associations people make with cults and weirdos and nerds and blood sacrifice and dice and rule books that are complicated and notebooks, you know, all this stuff, it, like it can conjure so many different things for so many different people because it's like, it's like a three blind mice sort of situation it's like oh the dice means a cult to me or the dice means nerdy math probability to me you know who knows but because of that just getting them to see what it is see the real DD not a cartoon version of what they say DD is not uh fucking stranger things although stranger things is you know a fine depiction of DD is my understanding you know but actually people playing DD, adults casual adults in pants you know at tables seeing DD. so like you there's streams that play DD. uh harman quest is honestly i think a good demystifier because it's like oh wait these are just people it's not nerds playing a game it's people telling jokes you know which again it's like i didn't think it could be people telling jokes i thought it would be like playing risk i thought it would be like really strategic and intense uh, rule scrutiny who knows you know but that's that's the big thing that you need to get them across i think you know once they know what to expect you can meet them where they're at rules wise uh ideally you know uh you should be able to because everybody doesn't have to have the mastery of the rules you know everybody has to come together and have something close to the whole of the rules you know like the dm doesn't have to know anything they just need to know what the players don't know and the players can help by knowing what the dm doesn't want to keep track of and stuff so i think that's the biggest thing is just trying to show them even if that's making them you know or having them come to a game or watch you play a game or something. I don't know, but I think that's the kind of the breakdown. Um, the specifics are just, you start by making a character sheet. Uh, you kind of just talk them through that. They don't need to understand the character sheet process. It's like doing your taxes, you know, um, on there's the tax sheet. And then there's that one sheet that says, okay, do these steps one through 12 or whatever. And it's like, you don't know why you do those steps, but the paper says to do them. And it's like, okay, yeah, the W two box a, it is over here and I can add it to this and I can put it in this box. You know, you can walk through something, someone through that process without them understanding at all. And then once they have their sheet, and they know what DD looks like because they know what to expect then they can bring their self in like as long as they're trying to engage say like if they're saying oh i want to jump up on the table or i want to talk to someone you know you can again meet them where they are and and get them the rules information that they need without overloading them you know i think what i do on harman quest is take on a lot of that rules baggage myself so they don't have to think about it so they just have to imagine the scenario and then pretend to be in it and say what they want to do you know because that's fundamentally already a hard thing for adults to get into the headspace of that was a lot of talking how long did i talk for jesus christ uh, does that answer your question at all you think it does like i totally agree about 
um, like what you're trying to do with Harbin Quest, because like the way you described is exactly was my experience. Because some friend said, "Hey, look at this this cartoon," and I had never actually seen any role playing before, and it, it was exactly what you're saying. I thought it was just like, like I've always been kind of a nerd, but that was what I positioned as like these are like the really sweaty nerds. And then when I saw it, I was like, "This is just improv. I love improv." And yeah, like that was a, and now it's like a, a huge thing for me. So, yeah. And it's funny, you know, I always felt like that about LARPing was like LARP. That's where the nerds are in LARPing, but it's like, it's such a, it's, it's the same kind of weird gatekeeper behavior. It's so strange, but yeah, you know, like I, I've been talking about a little bit that I've been trying to make these videos and trying, trying to figure out how to teach people to play D and D. And as part of thinking about that, that's, these are kind of some of the lessons I've learned is that, you know, you want to get people at the table. All you need to get people at the table is the character sheet. They make pre-made character sheets. You can just print them off and hand them to someone you don't even have to roll the character you got to get them to the table so how do you get them to the table you got to make them think they're welcome there and you know part of that is expectations and part of them is having some sort of competence or confidence in the rules on any level a lot of time that just is knowing what a d20 is and knowing that you can grab it when you're told and roll it and add a number to it you know but if you don't know that's all it is it's so scary, you know, and you'll, you don't, it's like, think about football. Football's so fucking complicated. Like if you could just explain football, I mean, you know, like all the rules of football, if they could just boil down to, oh, you roll a D20 and add a number, like it would be a lot simpler to explain. People are capable of understanding complex things, but we just think of D&D as being this really complicated thing because of, again, all these associations and baggage and stuff. I don't know. You got any final thoughts before uh, Kevin kicks you in a comedic way? Yeah, um, I would just as a follow up question, if I can, like, have you looked into or played around with using like simpler systems than D&D to kind of get people more hooked? Because that's something that we ended up doing was just like a homebrew rule set and said, like, okay, like this is like there's two two D six. I don't even use that phrasing. I tell people like, do you have two Monopoly dice? Like, great, you can do it. And then, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the rules obviously don't matter. It's about when I was a kid, we used to do basically D&D, just no dice. And if someone did something that seemed like it would work, it would always work. It was like, you can play D&D like that with no dice and just narrating and the DM just uh, adjudicates and say, oh, no, that doesn't happen. You actually fail. Like, you can just do that. And I think that would mostly be fine. You know, I, I you know, when when <laughs> there was that time when me and Kevin were playing uh, on, on the podcast and I didn't have the dice and i was just like yeah two of your firebolts hit and one of them misses and stuff and it's like this is still the same game you know it's like fundamentally it feels the same um i haven't messed with a lot of specific systems but fate is one that i think is directly uh, intended for this sort of purpose it's much more simplified but also rules wise it feels a lot more like an adult board game um just like you know with a board game you pull out a rules insert you read it to three or four people they go haha a couple people aren't playing uh, attention attention you hand out the pieces and you go haha what are we doing and you kind of just start and go into it fate is not quite that simple but it's more that approach where you're thinking about in terms of um card games or like uh, board game rules like what all the players have different moves and the dms have moves and moves are a lot like cards and so you're kind of just like playing cards but instead of playing a card uh like instead of uh playing a, a king or instead of using a feat in dungeons and dragons it's like well i'm a hunter character so i'm gonna play my track the play card you know or prey card which like if you're talking about a big crocodile that's on the loose it's like yeah i know how to i know how to get this crocodile because i'm gonna track the prey you know or if it's like oh my god this guy just got murdered by a vampire it's like oh my god i'm gonna track the prey you know so it's like it's broken into card like rules interactions which which are i think exactly in the pocket of what you're talking about because it's there is complexity but i think also a lot of the complexity you can avoid um again with all uh different rules uh dice kind of systems but the base rule system is a lot more um you know in the pocket of what you're talking about i'm repeating myself anyway kevin you didn't kick this guy and any of the times it would have been funny to do it i'm so sorry to do something Kelly. shocking or offensive to get well kicked. really like, you I should start talking about bro. something and kevin should kick you mid-speech you know like you're like it was really important and so the fact we're kicking you is like oh man we really got this guy you know so do you want to try to like uh spin up a rant or something and kevin can kick you Oh, absolutely. One of my most deeply held tabletop convictions is that like 
<laughs> that was good okay thank you so much uh i uh, it, was, it was you know why it was good is because i wanted to hear a couple more words that he was saying and that's how you know it was good um okay so we have one more person in the waiting room and we're also we're at 16 minutes so this is even less dnd time well do you want to talk to someone or do you want to play dnd again this is you uh it's kevin time it's still residually kevin time despite what i was saying earlier in the show uh every you know the show is is it's now called that kevin's so um why, why don't we take one more call that way i can re-listen to last week's dnd before we play again because i remember nothing of it all right well just to clue you in uh one of your friends died in combat and then you realized that he was dead all along and he wasn't alive in the future that doesn't even make sense okay put mr luke on let's get let's talk to mr luke and kevin do be thinking about a comedic time to kick him please <laughs> um so he is also we got mr luke is connecting to audio and so at some point we're going to well this is fun right i mean you know i don't know it's interesting uh it's more interesting than well the thing is it is still just me talking the whole time it's just this really very very minimal interruption and direction is is happening you know that that sort of works for our format though yeah that's the thing about not having a format if you're just like <laughs> if your oh, show is just a spill of liquid on the floor then like it doesn't really matter what you do to it it's like yeah shit in it clean it up kick it around it's like yeah it's still basically the same thing it never was anything hey how's it going mr luke uh where are you at can you hear us uh where are you coming from if you can hear us i just heard you by the way so i can see you moving yeah, hello i can hear you awesome w where are you calling from i am calling from canada from the frozen north okay are you in edmonton alberta uh, no, I am in in uh, Pokeshaw, New Brunswick. That's like at the foot of a little place called Acadia. Okay, uh, Brunswick so, is a bowling alley. Um, oh yeah, I know this, uh, this is a province on the Atlantic seaboard. Mm. I love a province, um, but you know, today we're not talking about provinces. We're talking about questions. I guess your question could be about province provinces. That would make me look like a real asshole. But uh, oh, oh, so so, what do you do? What do you do for a living, or with a majority of your time? Uh, what do I do? Oh, I uh, I fish lobster. I uh, I do a lot of things. I'm a gardener. Uh, nice i network i i create i'm a creative on 101 i have a show in prime time called the hooba hooba oh awesome that's so cool and you you you're you're fucking you you catch the world's deadliest catch is that correct what kind of lobsters Th that is uh close to correct they're, i don't know how deadly they are they're, they're deadly if they attach to you i suppose Mm -hmm. but uh yeah rough waters out there and i've i've seen some uh some deadliest catch level things definitely in my life yeah you see people you you work with anyone okay have you witnessed anyone losing any fingers or or bits <laughs> uh not on the water but in operating a sawmill i mm -hmm. shattered uh i severed a bone in the tip of my finger in half and then that bone tip that was severed severed again vertically between some angle iron and a probably around a thousand pound log and then what happened after <laughs> splitting I, both I, of uh, I screamed motherfucker really really loud and mm -hmm. uh yeah you know went 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 to the er and it's all it's all good now i have uh full use of my crooked finger it's good the er that must have cost you tons and tons of money <laughs> being in canada yeah it cost me like 60 grand <laughs> oh my god no it didn't cost me a thing being in canada wait what what i, Who I talk to about this oh what i gotta talk I'm to a, a manager karen is that something murder yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure there was another thing that you said that i also wanted to circle back on that i found interesting oh here's a question are you allergic to dental uh uh the, the dental what do you call it anesthetic. anesthetic dental anesthetic uh no 
Okay. I don't believe I am. Anyway. All right. Fair enough. You kind of sound a little bit like Rob Hubel. Have you been told this? <laughs> I have not been told I sound like him specifically. Yeah, it's like it's not like I don't think someone would would miss 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 like like think you were him if they heard your voice. But there's definitely like a quality that that is similar that I'm noticing. But anyway, did you have a question? Sorry, I, I appreciate that very much. It's a compliment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. I, I have a question. It's about uh, tabletop RPGs. Mm -hmm. um, if you had to pick one game system only one to play for the rest of known time uh which would it be and what edition all right kevin kick this <laughs> no don't, don't <laughs> um okay uh i don't know i guess fifth edition uh yeah okay so here's the thing i like about fifth edition dnd &D. i feel like i can see the strings on developing it um, you know, that's part of like, I've been writing all this D and D content. Part of why I feel like more confident in doing that is I just feel like you have more rails, uh, to create, like there's not as much complication as there was in third edition, you know, because there's just a lot more like granular details that you can drill in on. But because of yeah. that, it's like, I don't know what's dangerous. What's like something that you shouldn't be messing with. What's fine to mess with. Like, you know, getting a sense of like, Oh, let me just add advantage here or disadvantage there. It's like, you know, it's not going to mess up things too bad, you know, no matter what you do. Whereas like giving someone a plus 15 versus like a plus seven bonus and three, five could be a huge difference. And it would be really hard to actually measure and determine that. So like, I really like, like, so I, I like this, the simplicity, simplicity isn't like ideal in fifth edition. And I would ideally like something that was a bit more complicated, but as a result of the design and probably the simplicity, I just feel like you can, you can leverage it a lot easier to go in the directions that you want without uh, trouble, but also who knows, maybe that's just a function of me being more comfortable, like writing stuff like you know, if, if somehow like we waved a magic wand and fifth edition came out first and third edition was coming out now, I'd probably be writing third edition stuff. Right. And so, right. you know, maybe it wouldn't be that hard, but it, it always felt really complicated to try. Cause I would try to write prestige classes and stuff. Cause there were so fucking many in third edition and I'd never felt like I would do a good job, but the fifth edition stuff, I really feel like it's not too hard to nail. For instance, like a subclass is just three abilities on half the time. So it's like, yeah, I can come up with three kind of thematically resonant abilities abilities that feel interesting and that I would probably want to take if I was playing it. I don't think I could do all of the bullet points you have to hit to make a prestige class in third edition, for instance, you know? And so that level of like control I have over it is I think why I'd be drawn to D and D fifth edition. But I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's not like, well, in the situation, I guess the situation is like, this is magic, right? Someone has like cursed you with the inability to play any other game, right? Because it's like, if it was an island and you just brought one game, you could play all sorts of D&D &D games. Yeah, you, you just you wouldn't have to use You make up your that. own rules. But I guess this is that situation, you know, some tormentor demon is like, you will die if you play by those rules. Yeah. What about you? You must have an answer to this. Oh, man. Uh, I, I thought about it before asking and, and while i was on hold for sure a little bit uh i am with you on fifth edition because it leaves so much artistic license in the dungeon right dance. people complain about it being rules light but but by the time 3.5 crawled into fourth edition it was so bloated with rules it was ridiculous and pathfinder came out and uh fifth edition like it it really lets you be the master of the dungeon to be a dork about it. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Kevin? You're, you're, you're a big time dungeon master. This is playing with you is the first time I've played any kind of role playing whatsoever. <laughs> So yeah. I'm going to have to defer to you guys here. No, no, I, 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 yeah, no, but it's like, I think I can imagine being comfortable with making three, but again, it's just, the thing is like, I never feel like my, my consequences are that bad, but it also just feels like specifically more house rulable, or it's like, it's meant for people to make it their own system in a way that like fourth edition was definitely like, no, there's only one play to, way to play D and D and it's with miniatures and grids and stuff. Third edition yeah. was not that dire. It was 
was like you can make D whatever you want but it is always going to be all of these rules incredible including you know suffocation rules and drowning rules and it's like well we don't need those rules and it's like they're there you know whereas fifth edition which is always like yeah. there's always the golden rule of whatever the dm wants you know but uh it just feels more in the spirit of fifth edition as opposed to like just a, a caveat or like a an asterisk or something you know i don't know it's I don't know. I, I also, again, I don't, it just feels like it just feels better in the hand, in the hand of a creator. I don't know. Again, like making cool classes and subclasses for, for fifth edition, it just feels awesome. And even if the stuff is like stronger than it might be in the other counterparts, it doesn't feel like you're breaking the game. It feels like, yeah, you just give everyone yeah. one such benefit like that. And then it's balanced out and it's not like it doesn't make everything trivial. I don't know. Well, anyway, do you have any last words before we boot you? Oh man, yeah, create stuff for 101 and uh, come listen to the Hooba Hooba, listen to all the Channel 101 stuff. It's fun. I got into it from Shop Home Video and finding you here through all that other stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. But now it's time to remove you. Did I do it? Okay, I yes, did it. Okay. You did it. That's an awkward uh, series of actions that you got to take yes. to boot someone. Um, anyway, sorry about that. And uh, thanks again, Kevin, for finding a, a funny time to boot this guy. <laughs> uh, uh, we are almost out of time, but I do want to maybe try a food thing real quick. Uh, show and taste situation. We got these. We still have these Asian flavored snacks and we got these Cheetos ones that I don't know what they are. They look kind of like corn puffs or corn pops like the cereal and then that's chester cheetah is on the cover or the packaging and he is sorry for burping into the mic that's gross and he is uh like eating these big chickens like chicken legs so you got this too kevin yeah do you know what this is do you have a name i mean don't it's look supposed it up to be chicken flavored know, is all i know chicken flavored orbs chicken flavored really little little lumps or something but uh, so so later on in the show we got Shrub Home Video. We got the real the real. Isn't there a real one happening tonight? There is a newfound crap tonight. Yes, newfound crap tonight. But first we got the chicken. Oh boy, I just thought up a new idea. Okay, anyway, so these are like little. They're like the things that you wouldn't put. Uh, hmm. What do you call it? You know, like. At the bottom of a bag of fries, there's the little fries and the little bits of fries and the little nibs of fries that like yes. got cut off. This is like that for Cheetos. They're all the little bits of Cheetos that weren't a full Cheeto, so they would have normally had to throw these away or something. It's like the little leftover Cheeto bits that are like oddly shaped. Yeah. So that's what I was these wrong. Are. Sorry. The the flavor is called Cheetos American Turkey Leg. Cheetos American Turkey Leg from China. And you know we are americans so we are you know appreciators of a fine turkey leg we can tell the difference between a good and a bad turkey leg you know that's just what being american is you know every uh fourth of july we grill up our big turkey legs and we we watch the big bubble show as the bubbles rise into the air every every fourth of july evening because that's just what patriotic americans do you know with our turkey legs in hand um are you know uh handheld vacuum cleaners you know just other other things that aren't related to fourth of july um well, have you tried these yet i ate no, one I, this is the second one hmm. it what tastes do you think? Kind of more like stuffing than turkey i would say yeah kind of like just kind of generic kind of italian seasonings kind of like savory the kind of stuff yeah. you might find in like a yeah like rosemary i'm getting rosemary yeah, a lot of sweetness too maybe that's just the corn and not the dust yeah it's it's got that kind of like generic msg savory taste to it mm -hmm. you know it's yeah. good though i could i could definitely eat this whole bag yeah it just tastes salty it just tastes like seasoning salt not like seasoning salt seasoning salt but just like seasonings and salt it doesn't really have a strong through line of a flavor conceptually that's probably supposed to be the turkey but um anyway i figured something out uh kevin i figured out that we can actually insert we can make more money if we insert a uh what do you call it an end roll ad 
So we are going to have a short end to the show uh, to fit an end roll ad in. So do you have any last words? Obviously, patreon.com slash the Sixler. Support me. Check out my D&D stuff. I like the D&D stuff. I think people would like it. I think people would buy it if they saw it. If you saw it in a normal book, I think you might go like, yeah, that's something that would be in D&D. It's maybe a bit silly, but it's, it's reasonable. It's not crazy. Check it out. What about you, Kevin? Anything? Yeah, newfound crap. Uh, so if you're watching this live, stick around. 8.30 Pacific, 11.30 Eastern is a newfound crap. And if you're listening to this as a podcast, come see us live on Sunday nights at shrobhomevideo.com. That happens, starts at 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. Awesome. And with that, that'll do it. So as always, <sighs> I can't. I can't believe I'm still alive. Good night. Hello, my name is uh, the Hector Man, and I uh, I sound like this, and I have an advertisement for you. It's an advertisement, and it's not inappropriate in any way. It's just a pixelated bar that pixelates whatever you put behind it. And, uh, you know, you could just use these in any circumstance. It's a very interesting and, uh, interesting and cool to look at. Very mysterious. You know, here we go. Oh, look, look, look. I'm putting my hand up and I'm dropping the sensor bar and who knows what's behind the finger. Isn't that interesting? It's mysterious and interesting to look at. And let me put it in front of my pants and get your mind out of the gutter. Why would you use this for anything other than making your pants area look cool and just a quick zip and who knows what's going on behind there? probably nothing because it's just about looking cool and there's nothing mysterious because the premise of the ad and the joke behind it is kind of like what if the sensor bars were just something that no one associated with censoring and we're just like oh wow it looks so cool to have all these squares use the promo code goblin flakes for 10% off